You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellen Aguirre. Good morning, Alan Aguirre here, host of the Chameleon Church Show, coming to you live and direct from Northern Utah, the Wasatch Back. We've been doing we do this show every Tuesday morning at this time uh, for three and a half years. It's become an organic type of prophetic show, so only simply because we uh, end up talking about stuff that ends up being prophetic. You know, it's not like something we, hey, let's do this. No, it just happened this way. This this show originally started off as a four-man roundtable, Torah portion uh, roundtable, uh, three and a half years ago. After eliminating all the competition, I took over, renamed it, moved it to another network, and here I am. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's called Alan Aguirre's Warship. And you put the little ring over the A so it sounds like Warship. Hey, uh, social media people, how are you? I know we just started, and uh, and did you know it's an actual science? Because you know you got to trust the science out there. That's what they're telling us. And so you know, I'm a good little sheep. Trust the science. Um, They say that uh, at the 14 minute mark or the 17 minute mark, I forgot which minute mark it was. You will have the most viewers. I think it's like 14 or 17 minute. And if you look at anybody's stats, it's true. It's it's the most amazing thing. Who Whoever thought of that or who could who could have thunk that, uh, but then, you know, and then to make it true. But I say all that because, hey, if you like this, if you like the content, if this is feeding you and nurturing you and you're growing and learning, because, see, we, we call ourselves an equipping ministry. If we're equipping you, be sure to like, share, subscribe, ring that bell, however you're doing it. Leave a comment. Be nice. If you're not nice, we'll come at you. We'll come at you. We'll send the chameleon, the chameleon, we got the chameleon cronies. Should we call it that? The chameleon cronies after you. That's right. Little little reptilian. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Good morning. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited because we're, uh, we, we, we're, 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 we're working on this new, um, new thing we're doing. It's called the Patreon Parsha. If you don't know, we have a Patreon group uh, or a Patreon page. Let me put the link here. It's patreon.com forward slash E2IS. And um, this Patreon group, we've got like three tiers or something like that. Uh, we're going to be creating a what's called the Patreon Parsha. It's going to be a pre-recorded, edited uh, study on the weekly Torah portion. And um, the seven dollar tier will get you know will have access to the fifteen I don't know fifteen twenty minute study, and the twenty five and fifty dollar tier will have access to the thirty to forty five minute uh, study. And um, we've been we've been asked before, hey, why don't you guys do something on Shabbat? And it's like I don't have the time, and 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 so I'm like, you know what, we can do this, and it'll be uploaded on Shabbat on Saturday mornings. And, um, and then the, 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 then the thing is going to be, Oh, we have errors occurring. Um, people are, well, why don't you offer it for free? Well, because, um, 
I would, that means I'd probably have to go get a day job. And if I go get a day job, I won't be able to do this like as often as we do as, or as much as we do. And anyway, because, uh, this stuff costs money and, um, we'd rather offer you the content, uh, being a patron. That's like an old school thing. That's like centuries old. We'd rather do it that way. Uh, we see that there's benefit to that. And anyway, that's how we're doing it. And if you don't like it, uh, well, don't complain about it. Just don't get involved. But if you want to get involved, that's awesome. Thank you for, uh, for, for doing that. And thank you for being here. And thank you for being a part of this crazy thing we do called the uh, Chameleon Church Show and Planet Blue Media and the books and the live streams and um, all that groovy stuff. But hey, I'm not alone. I'm not alone in this. Who's going to pay these guys' salaries? Here's my my co-host, Lenny Pastor Lenny Parada. Dude, you got you got you got to get your kick kickback, right? <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> kick me. Yeah, man. And then we got our, our other our, our brand new official co-host. This is your first official co-host deal going on here, Chris Rosentrader. Good How's morning, going, can guys. You, can oh, you and my me? wife wanted me to say say hi to the boys for me. She says, "Oh, hi. She's awesome." Did you say salary? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, <laughs> maybe I can buy some new headphones. Yeah, maybe you need some new. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think they're already calling people, us cows. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's weird that people do this stuff with headphones on. Why do you have to hear yourself? Can't you hear yourself? Because I have it set up. Maybe it's because they have everything so loud so that your voices don't bleed into the mic. But I don't, we don't have that. I don't have that issue. So I don't know. I think it's weird people – I mean, I understand why you're doing it with your earbuds, but – Right. Yeah, I can't hear – if I hear you, then it feedbacks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, You might just – you just might have to set yourself up with an actual like – gear. I should take a picture of it. This is what we're doing. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. I know, I know. I'm just I'm just messing with you. So, man – um how's it going it's it's trying it's it's trying to be winter there's frost in the morning no snow this is i'm thinking the longest the the latest snow we've had we had we had snow the day we left on our road trip back in october but i mean park city we're gonna have 45 or something like that two degrees today that's you can't make snow in that there's no snow there's a lot of years that thanksgiving they had no snow wow Lots of years, I remember. So. And how many years have I did I watch the Dallas in Dallas the, the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and it's like ice. Yeah. So anyway, there's no snow. Uh, that's everyone's getting worried. I need snow, not because I ski, because I don't ski. I need snow because I need an ice pack because I need water for my lakes and my rivers. Because I'm a, I'm assuming I'll be asked to guide next season and i'd like to do that again it was i really enjoyed it and yeah, no snow here west coast just uh rain it's the end of the world guys right <laughs> i don't think it is oh, okay <laughs> what do you mean why don't you think it's the end of the world chris look at, have you looked outside recently oh, yeah so Defi- why yeah. don't what's that define into the world right what does end mean I was talking to some, I was talking to my, so I have a very, very dear, he's literally a brother from another mother. He's a little older than I am. His name's Rami Danelli. He's an Israeli native, messianic, and uh, pretty intense prophetic teaching gift. Anyway, he, and he has a guide company, uh, and he's a, he, used to, he used to hang out in Texas with Shady Grove and all. Anyway, we were talking, and um, I'm like, man, I just, I just, how could it possibly, 
the second coming, right? I mean, so much has to happen. Yeah. So much has to happen that, that it's going to take time. And he's like, really? After 2,000 years, after 2,000 years, Israel recaptured Jerusalem and, and, and took back their land in six days after 2,000 years. Well, there's a, a quote in scripture that says, in a day. Well, in a day, Babylon falls in a yep. day. Yeah. He goes, he goes why, does it, why do you think it's going to take 10, 15, 20, 35, 50 years? Israel, after 2,000 years, recaptured Jerusalem in six days. And Babylon, it says, falls in one day. That's a week right there. In a week's time, things could be set in motion for Messiah to return. And I'm just like, crap. Now, we believe or we subscribe to the reality that unlike traditional Christianity that says, oh, Jesus can come at any minute. That's not true. Jesus is going to stick to his father's timeline, and he's going to stick to his father's calendar and his father's yeah. deal. Right. Which means he'll, he could come maybe – he could come either anywhere within a sixth year, within the, within the sixth year, or – the seventh year. But he can't come, I don't think, year one, two, three, four, or five. No. And now Christians are going, what is he talking about? Well, they didn't tell you in Bible study, and your pastor didn't tell you that God's on a seven-year cycle. And that seven-year cycle, we know what year that seventh year is. We know where that we know when year one starts and when year seven ends. We know when that cycle is. Um, Israel, the Jews, the Jewish people are have been very good in keeping those things. The only thing they've lost is the Jubilee. We don't know when the Jubilee is. That's the isn't that the weirdest thing, right? I mean, they can tell you when Moses coughed. <laughs> you know, uh, figuratively, I'm just you know, no, but like this is when Moses. This is when this happened. This is when this happened. I mean, we know all those things. But the whole issue of that imminent return was popularized in 1860 by J.N. Darby. Oh, yeah? And out of that came the whole pre-trib rapture debacle. Oh, jeez. Debacle, shall I say. Oh, that's not good. So so back to the seven-year thing. So so we know when the, when the year starts. You know, when, we know when that cycle starts. So since Babylon, even with the Babylonian debacle of – um, copying the Babylonian double-year system, civil and religious, you know, because they left Babylon. It's the, the sages will tell you, and I talk about it in my Facebook. The uh, they left Babylon with the B Babylonian month names and the Akidu Akita uh, calendar thing, where you have the civil calendar starts in September, which what what they call Rosh Hashanah, right? Uh, when it's not it's not Rosh Hashanah, it's Yom Torah. Um, and then the, the, that's the civil calendar. And then you have the religious calendar that begins in our March or April, which is the first month of a bib. This shall be the first month. It tells you this is month one. It says that in the Bible, but, but they do what they do anyway. Anyway, even with that, we know the seven-year cycle. So because there's a seven-year cycle, um, Think of it as a seven-day week, obviously. Um, and the, the Sabbath, and Jesus is coming in the Sabbath year. Jesus, for the, right, the Sabbath, the Sabbath rest, that's what Tabernacles is all about. Anyway, so that begins evening to the evening. So it could, that's why I say he could come 
during the year six, probably towards the end of year six or at the beginning of year seven uh, because of the sixth, the seventh, right? The Sabbath thing. Um, so anyway, so because of that, and, and that's how we know that we that he just can't come at any time, any any nilly willy in the middle of the week. There has there's a system to it, and with this last civil calendar year, which started end of September, early October, uh, with the fall, well, what we call the fall feasts, even though I'm not going to go there. Um, it began the, the Sabbath year. So we are in the Shemitah year, which means the Sabbath year, which means we are in the seven. We just began the seventh year of the seven-year cycle. Lenny, did you have something yeah. to say? I oh. just, there's a whole cosmology to this, too, that a lot of the uh, Torah teachers and the eschatology buffs go back all the way to 1970s. And there's a whole thread of what people have seen in the heavens that they forget. We, we forget really quickly. And one of the big signs you can go back to, it's called the watchman. He was probably one of the first Torah teachers. He came out about 1968, way, way back when, and he had, he had some crazy stuff, but he had some very interesting stuff. And he was one of the first guys to follow what was known in science with NASA. So I think it was around when, when was um, the uh, hail bop in the sky? Oh, I was on tour. Uh, I was Wasn't in Dallas, around? 2002, 2003. Yeah. 2000. It was, yeah. Right about then. What they don't realize is that one of the main things taken out of Job about seeing Orion and the Pleiades and, some of the things that the early Torah teachers put together is, is that when that appeared here, remember it's not going to appear for another th something like 36,000 years. That's what they say. So the interesting thing was it, uh, it passed through the belt of Orion, which was the oh, sage. Remember. remember that it was the sages understanding that when that happened, that would be in the cosmos, the sign of, of the no woman. More. Wasn't it the no. sign of, of the woman or something? It was, it was, it, it, there was a woman. Remember yeah. at the same time, they saw the woman giving birth in the heavens through the, yeah. uh, through all the remember uh, that. constellations. Remember that? Yeah. But, 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 remember, but before you go any further, looking at me going sideways, they go, what are you talking about? I go, man, that, you need to look at this stuff. That's so what then I'm going to say. Before. Blood moons, and everybody goes, oh, it's the return of the No, it isn't. It's another harbinger to say, you better look close to the next Shemitah. Right. So there's a cosmology here beyond everybody's opinion that's set in the heavens, just like his calendar is set in the heavens. And people it, it, that you talk about moving fast. Uh, again, I have to say the whole thing with Trump and the Abraham Accords set Ezekiel 38 verse three in motion, which never has before. And that's just a side, just that one little thing that those nations came together with Israel. That started a ball rolling. Insane. Talk about moving fast. Yeah. But see, but but before you go any further, I have to warn Christians that are watching because they haven't been taught. They've been yeah. taught not to look at the skies because that's astrology and astrology is bad. <laughs> what did he tell and Abraham? Like, look, what did he tell Abraham? Look at the stars. Yep. Yeah. What does it say in Genesis? Genesis says he put 
stars and the moon and the sun in the sky for signs and wonders. For Moed. Yeah. So it's a lot of relearning. So yeah. for for all our traditional, and I, I use the word traditional not in a derogatory way, but basically it's if you're a Christian and you don't know anything about this stuff, if you're a Christian and you don't know about keeping the Sabbath or the feast, that's what I mean by traditional. I'm not saying that in an insulting way. Another thing you don't know is that the term Christian is a derogatory term, <laughs> but you don't know that either. Um, so um, so for our Christian friends that are watching, um, unlike a lot of these other Torah people, we don't hate you. <laughs> we actually love you and actually like do stuff with and for you. But anyway, um, we're supposed to look at the stars. We're supposed to understand the signs of the times and the stars in the heavens tell us that. That's how the wise men knew that Jesus was being born. And according to Jubilees, that's how they knew that Moses was being born. It's all in there. It's in, the, in Genesis, from, in the creation, it says God put those things in the skies for signs for us to know and to read and to understand. So I apologize. Isn't that what Moedim means, the rehearsals? Yep, and there, and there are rehearsals. And I apologize for your pastors not telling you this, but you can get mad at them because they can't tell you what they don't know themselves because they don't know this either. But And if they do know about it, they're not telling you either because, well, that's... Have you... Have you are you watching what's happening outside your door the last two years? There's an agenda at work. They have a they have an agenda. It's predetermined. It's pre-planned. There's a there's a, a place they want to take us. There's things they want you to fall in in step with for that agenda. Well, guess what? There's been an even bigger one when it comes to issues and matters of faith. Um, you can't read the book of Revelation, the Revelation of John. You can't read that. And if you ha well, if you do read that, and if you have any understanding of what is being said in there, it explains very clearly and tells you that there's a system in place that's just dying to come out. <laughs> and it's called. Hey, Alan, can I address this one comment, Lenny? Lenny, this is your show. From Gail Slinger, I go. That's something I, I you know, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but it's something that. I've come to realize that's what we've always been taught. Let's just focus on Jesus. Everything else will pan out, except Paul went to great lengths to say, you better know what Maranatha means. Come quickly. And if you look at the whole narrative through the New Testament and you go to Peter and you go to uh, um, uh, you look at first John and you do look at the book of Revelation, there's a balance there. Yeshua has to be foremost in front but it's about his return it's about the son of man receiving the kingdom so that i have to say where, where i get on my soapbox and i might be wrong is that where the church has missed by saying you know what let's just look at jesus and let's just look at our felt needs right now and see what he can do not to say that that's not important but it says this Every man that hopes in his coming, 1 John 3, purifies himself even as he is pure. There's a holiness that comes with the looking for the coming of the Lord. And so I could say a lot more things, but that's usually one of the things that the Christian church says now. Oh, let's just look at Jesus. We don't have to look at anything else. 
there should be a heart cry in our heart, Maranatha. And it's interesting that this is, might be off the subject or a rabbit trail, but the same time that uh, the whole preacher of rapture was popularized in the 1860s was also when the Sons of Seth series came back, came back up to the surface. And you know what that did concerning spiritual warfare? They discounted Gen 6 because of the whole Sons of Seth. So there's a balance. Yeah, and Kill. the Holy Spirit tells us how to do that. We walk in the right. Spirit daily, but we better long for His coming. Yeah, Gil, uh, we agree with you that yes, we should be focusing <laughs> on on Yeshua absolutely. And if you if you join us on Monday night, we're that's we're all about pointing people to Yeshua. This isn't an um, I'm, I'm not sure how many, how often you've watched this this show or, but we don't really talk a lot about. I mean, anyway, so yes, we, we need to be focusing on Yeshua. Absolutely. Number one, 1,000%. But part of focusing on Yeshua is knowing the season of his return. That's biblical. That's New Testament teaching. You, you have to be aware and alert of his second coming, uh, uh, the season of his return. Right. And we have to, so so how do we know that? Well, because it says so. Paul flat out says that. And Jesus himself, more than two or three times, uh, and the only reason why I know that is because I've been looking looking at it this week, because on my other my weekly show, Incorruptible Two Minute Warning, I'm actually talking about is self-defense an issue, you know, self-defense. Is it a biblical, you know, and it, and it is because Jesus says more than two or three times he talks about the strong man. He talks about the thief that comes into your house at night, that if you knew that he was coming, you would have been able to defend yourself and protect yourself and your belongings from him coming in and stealing it. So the only way you or I can know that the strong man is coming so that you can protect yourself and defend yourself from the strong man, Jesus' words, not mine, is to know and to be alert and conscious of your right situational awareness so that when you see the signs of him coming, you can keep him from coming in. In the same, and he's using that analogy regarding his return. Now, we're not all about, believe me, I mean, well, I, we've got thousands, literally thousands of hours on YouTube and Facebook teaching because we do this weekly. And literally, there are thousands of hours. And if you watch them, you would see that we're not these end time sensationalist psycho crazy people. No, we're not. So all we want to do is equip you. You need to know the season of his return so that you can be prepared. That's that's just uh that's wisdom and it's and it's absolutely completely scriptural and biblical and Jesus says Jesus tells you that. Also, sons of Issachar, very important. They were the ones that were trained or understood and had the discernment and the spiritual gifts this is a spiritual thing to to tell the to know the signs so that they could instruct and forewarn Israel. They were the ones that were they they sided with David. See, everyone, most Christians or most most believers don't understand the David debacle. David was an enemy of the state for 15 years. He was on the lamb. He was um he was, he was. I can't say any of the things I'm thinking of. Not because they're bad, but because it'll, it could probably get us pulled. Basically, he was, you know, <laughs> he wasn't one of those guys. So he was on the lamb. He was an enemy of the state. The state wanted him dead. 
Saul, King Saul wanted him dead. He was on the lamb for 15 years. And it was the sons of Issachar based on the word and the signs and all that stuff and the Holy Spirit and all that. They knew that David was would and should be king prophetically. And so they sided with him. Uh, and I think there's another instance where the sons of Issachar sided with Deborah, the prophetess, in wartime. So these things are all very, very important. Um they just they just really are. We really need to understand and know what's going on around us so that we can be prepared. You don't want see, it's the ten virgins. They all they're all at the right place at the right time, but half of them ran out of oil. They ran out of oil. And then they had to leave that spot to go get oil. And then he came and they missed him. The idea is that you don't miss him. Yes. It's, we have to be focused on Messiah. Now, the end times thing, it says here, the end times thing is great, but it will happen when it happens. It, you know what? Um, that's too uh, hit and miss. Yeah, it's going to happen as we watch. He says, watch and be ready. Yeah, and, it, and, 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 and not only that, the book of Revelation, the end times, isn't something that just happens to us. We provoke it. We cause it to happen through our prayers. Because, right? That's part of Maranatha. Right. Yep. See, so. Oh, Chris, hey, how's it going, buddy? You're here. Hey, I'm just sitting here. I'm learning, man. I'm. That's not, no, Chris, we love that you're here. I can, I'm, I can, I can tease you. Oh, I, Gail, I'm tracking. I mean, I don't, I don't know you, but I'm, I'm tracking your question and what you're saying. And I, I, I agree. If we focus on Jesus, it yeah. works out. And then, but there's the beware of the seasons. You can look to the one where he's talking about you can look to the clouds and see red and know it's going to be a storm or yeah. So he's he's referencing those things. But to me, it's it's exciting. I think I think and he's invited us, inviting us into his return. He's inviting us into Maranatha. He's inviting us into celebration. And as I, I think Michael might be posting talking about Jude snatch. Snatch those that don't love yep. Jesus from the fire. Help God. You know, it's uh, it's evangelism. Uh, the thing I was thinking about, um, all the scriptures before Jesus was born on earth, all the scriptures that pointed to him coming. And, and why was why was God giving his people hints? He, he was giving them a message he wanted to hear. Yeah. And after he came before he came but now there's more scriptures that point to end times and his return than were to his birth so if he was giving messages and trying to get our attention before he was born and now there's more scriptures pointing to his return why is that why does he want us engaged and so that to me that's just an encouragement like don't discount it don't put your head in the sand I'm not saying Gail that you are, but but it is he he wants us to know he's returning, and that means to us to us to something on earth now. Like, like live like he's coming in ten minutes, live like he's coming in thirty seconds, um, and just be carrying that awareness and 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 not closing off discernment or what he wants to tell us because he he wants us to grow his kingdom on earth and he wants us to cry Maranatha. You know, it's interesting, <clears throat> pastoring a long time, 
one of the reasons, because I used to promote that, we become specialists in certain things. Oh, we don't want to go too far here, too far there. The reality is, yeah, we want to have a balance. And yet that word balance is often thrown off too. And, yeah. and what discipleship is, it just that? discipleship is like we do on Monday nights. It's that forum where you see people growing at different rates and they're all coming in and they're all learning from each other. And why we get in that place of saying, well, some people are mired in this and mired in that is because what the church has been lacking is that fivefold ministry. It's been lacking. Here, yeah. Here's a, a, a brain turner. Do you realize within the first commandment, the, the commandments, the Ten Commandments, those things that he wrote on stone to Moses to encapsulate the Torah, to unpack those is going to take all eternity. But when he says you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, do you realize that encapsulates the present, what you do every day, what you do with your mind, literally by making those decisions to heal the sick, cast out demons. I'm just giving, and then with your soul, what does that mean? Where we live in holiness and with all of your strength. Do you realize it encapsulates our daily life with him and it, it involves also our longing for him and our calling out for him, our wanting to be with him. And that's, you know what? You could spend an eternity on each place that he tells us to love him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that's where discipleship starts right there. The first commandment, the recovery of it. I haven't even got past them because I can't even think it. I can't think I'm going, Oh my gosh. But yet he makes it so simple that yeah, Yeshua is the, he is right at the center and he encapsulates everything. So we have to do it all. Yeah. People hate to hear that. We got to do it all. Mm-hmm. And he'll show us. That's what the Holy Spirit's all about. He teaches yeah. us truth. He makes it simple for us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Gail, for. Yeah. That was awesome. Appreciate yeah. it. See, we love we love the interaction because it's, it's important, because it does this. It sparks and it spawns. And uh, yeah. So thank you for. Thank you for your, your, your contribution to, to the, to the conversation. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's all about Jesus, man. It's all about Yeshua and it's all about his heart. The, the, the spirit and the bride need to come like this. Right. And they say, come and, you know, so we're just trying to prepare people at chameleon church. Our goal as an equipping ministry, we, 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 we see ourselves as an equipping ministry is we want to help you make the transition from church to bride. <laughs> that's insane. That's, that's, well, oh that's, that's well said. That's and that's that's insane. I, and that's not like something I woke up one day and went, "Hey, I've got an idea." <laughs> no, no, that's just how God has organically grown. That's what He's doing here. Um, so it's exciting and it's absolutely terrifying because it's because it all has to do it's a, it's very apostolic it's very prophetic it's and it's completely spiritual it's 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 all spiritual and there's no you know what i'm saying it's not like okay well you buy this or put on this or no it's all like it's all done in the invisible spiritual realm uh i can't do it for you all i can do is say hey here's my journey 
Here's what I've learned. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what the New Testament says. Here's what the scriptures say. Uh, And that's all we do. We just want to unpack because everything. Where where does it say in the New Testament that it's that everything we know or everything we need to know for life and spirituality and for right standing with God is all in the is all in the Scripture. And so all we're doing is picking it and and going. Look, here's what it says. Because a lot of us don't know that it says what it says. And so that's why we're here. Yeah, we're just trying to help. We're just trying to help. But and that thank you. That helps. Appreciate it. Jesus said, no, not even me, not even no one knows the day and hour, but the father. But there's also be aware of the seasons. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where that plays into your seven year things and revelation. Like what's what what I've been reading about even this week. And I've felt challenged to dig into more of the end times a little bit, studying Revelation on a different level. But Revelation 12, 1260 days, that's three and a half years. Then you have um, where he's talking about two witnesses, and it's 1260 days. And then they ties to the three and a half days. And that is that a symbol of, you know, for really three and a half years. And so, Seven is a seven's a big number, and it seems like it's there's a there are things that are going to happen and measured days. The Lord's measured days, and I just want I don't want to miss it. That's my I don't I don't want to miss this, Lord. I don't want to miss the clues you're sending. It's exciting time. Yeah, it really really is. Boy oh boy. The thing is, is too, is that Trimmer said it about churchmen. For years, that's all we were taught how to create is making churchmen rather than making disciples. And uh, um, we were always looking for the next thing to make the next best churchman. And uh, it was interesting. Bob Fulton, the brother-in-law of John Wimber, I I heard him say that the first time he said, he goes, you know what? He goes, really be wise and be careful because at that time where the vineyard was transitioning and they fell into it too, is that we made churchmen and we didn't make disciples because when we made churchmen, we could hold on to them and what they should be. And we told them what the goals and ministry were rather than the living God telling him what his goal for them was. Scary. When Paul wrote that there wasn't a New Testament. What? Alan, please point out which scriptures when Paul wrote that there wasn't a New Testament. I'm not sure what that means. Um, The New Testament was compiled by the Catholics. <laughs> um, when Paul was writing his letters, when 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 the apostles were writing their epistles, their letters, it, they weren't compiled as in a book form. They weren't. It wasn't a compilation. They were just being circulated. The scriptures were the scriptures already existed. It's the Tanakh, uh, what we call the Old Testament. Uh, then the 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 Catholics in the fourth and fifth century compiled these things and made the Bible. 
uh, what scriptures were they reading? They were reading the Tanakh. They were reading, uh, according to Paul and Jesus, they were reading the five books of Moses. They were reading the Psalms and the Proverbs, and they were reading um, the all the all the prophets, right. as well as Enoch. And so that's what they were reading. That's that's what they that's what it says in the New Testament. Yeah. And the, and the Catholics decided what was deemed uh, acceptable and and what wasn't, um, but these are also the guys that couldn't count. They called them the church fathers. They called them the church fathers, and yeah. they were highly anti-Semitic. Yes, they were. They the, were. It was the apostolic yeah. fathers were different than the church fathers, and yeah. in between you had the gap of those historians, mm-hmm. and they started flipping flopping. It's amazing. In 180 AD, Irenaeus wrote a book called The Heresies of the Church, and there's two chapters dedicated to how the Gentile church was not keeping Torah. So, and then people go, what about Polycarp? They were, he was a direct disciple of the, the, the apostles, and they weren't keeping Torah. Well, you don't know that just because they didn't address it. You know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's not addressed because it was common knowledge. That's why I think the Genesis 6 says men of renown. It's like it was. It was it was a given. <laughs> Everybody knew. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. I think the Roman system kicked in around the fifth century. I'm not where it really became solidified. Yeah. And they really broke away from anything and everything. There's a I've shared before on this show uh, while uh, a couple times when I've been at the the uh, a rude awakening uh, a rude awakening um, studios they have what's they have some texts apparently there's a trash bin the Vatican trash bin and they have it's literally stamped with the Vatican seal of approval that pa- certain passages were were rejected and tossed in bins and they have copies of them and i've taken pictures and video of them with the actual you know roman catholic vatican stamp of rejection and a lot of it is 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 proving that there's like an actual like matthew was literally written in in hebrew things of that nature uh the vowel points um for um the vowel points for God's name. See, every, I mean, this really little subtle things that they did, here are the vowel points. See the vowel points. You know, there's, it's just a bunch of little subtle stuff that they did just to undermine the Jewishness, the Hebraicness of the faith. Again, you've got, a, you've got Latins and Greeks <laughs> that took over uh, and, and kicked out the Jew out of his own club. And, um, and decided, you know, they had the authority to do so. Martin Luther didn't help. Let me put it that way. Oh, boy, don't get me started. I know, there. I know. Let's not go there. Because what would, if it wasn't for Martin Luther, it would still be Catholics and we wouldn't have the word. No, that's not true. Because, see, we, here, here's the trajectory we were, we were on, and they decided to go that way. That's why they needed Martin Luther, right? But, see, it's, it's like saying without Martin Luther, the scriptures would be dead. Really? The scriptures predated Martin Luther by millennia. If it wasn't for Martin Luther, you would still be a Catholic. I wouldn't. <laughs> Let me just, there you go. That's the proper way to put it. Some of us actually believe in the scriptures. 
and not organized religion. Speaking of, did you guys see the little sparring session I got into online with the, uh, was it a Lutheran? Some guy with robes. <laughs> no, I didn't see that one. Well, yeah. well, he came at me, dude, and I just left it alone. I just walked away. I was pretty proud of myself. Well, my wife was sitting there going, don't, don't, don't. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, did you guys see these? They're in the, they're on the, they're in the store. Yeah, well, the Alan, coasters. you're selling trinkets. Look at that. I love these coasters. They're so cool. Yeah. Are those for beer or coffee? Uh, depending on the group. <laughs> I got coffee in my mug. Well, there's my rude awakening coffee. There it is with the vowel points. Anyway, it's just fascinating stuff. So, yeah, there's it's again, like I said at the very beginning, there's a system that wants to take over that's that the Holy Spirit has kept at bay to some extent for quite a while. That will and then eventually he's just gonna he's gonna pull back. He's just gonna let it ride, man. And that's whoosh, False prophet, antichrist, beast system, uh, Revelation 13. They're going to come at us. They're going to make war with the church. If you're supposed to die, you're going to die. If you go to jail, you're supposed to go to jail. You're supposed to go to jail. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, man. And it's like, it says, like, you better have a clue about what's going on. It says that. You know, when I was doing my teaching down at the healing rooms in Santa Maria, when I did the whole thing on the feast, and they bought your book up. I remember you sent them a case. Those flew off the shelf. I was telling him about First Timothy, where he says he was, Timothy was the exhortation was is to teach him sound doctrine, reprove, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering. Yeah. And they go, yeah, he was quoting the New Testament. I go, what? They had no New Testament for another four hundred years. It's crazy. I go, come on. I mean, he was quoting them to understand Torah, and they go, oh, but we never thought that. I go because you heard it. You heard it, and you didn't understand the context of what you're reading because they didn't teach it correct. Yeah, and not a lot of people are going to go home and study for themselves. No, I mean that's why you know what that's why I asked when I wrote the Facebook. I asked. I actually did a poll on Facebook. I'm going, hey, at if you grew up in a Christian home, did your dad ever lead your family in communion at home? And everyone said no. And I know a lot of Christians spanning, you know, decades. And so that's why I made such a point in my Facebook that why, as Christians, men, are we not leading our families in communion? Oh, let me take that back. There was maybe two or three people that said yes. I mean, it was so minimal that it didn't even count. You know what I'm saying? But that's, to me, it's a weird thing. That's a weird thing. But, I mean, I, I was just as guilty, too. So, you know, and the issue when it comes to Shabbat, the keeping the Sabbath, you know, that's why we do communion on the Sabbath. It's it's a good thing for men to function as priests in their home. I've got to, I've got to work on that. Um, well, not only work on that, but there's this book <laughs> inside me that wants to come out regarding that. Um, you know, it's important for us as men to function as priests in our home and leading our family and leading them in communion is like a basic, you know, uh, yeah. As fathers teaching their children, Luke 117. Yeah. 
and that's a prophetic mandate for the last times for these days that we're living in. He says before his coming, he goes, these things are going to be put in place. Yeah. That scripture. It's Deuteronomy 6. Yep. It's the biggie. It really is important. That's why, in a, again, that's why in the Facebook, I quote a friend of mine that actually asked me, as a dad, as a Christian man with children, because this guy was a new dad, what, what would you say is the most important as a new? I'm like, it's easy. Keep the Sabbath. Teach, Keep the Sabbath and lead your family in, in Sabbath. That's the, the, the best thing you can do as a family, as a man, when it comes to keeping your house in order uh, and bringing Jesus to your wife and children and in your home. I, I can't stress that enough. If you're not, if you're if you're not doing Shabbat with your family every week, you're missing out on a massive piece. There, there, you're, you're missing this huge chunk. It's literally if the puzzle's this big, this is how big that chunk is, uh, and you don't even know it. But that's the scary thing: you don't know it. You don't know it until it's until you're doing it. If you know, you know. But if you don't know, the enemy has. You got to remember, man. The enemy has been blinding us from this reality as Christians for over 1,800 years. Don't tell me it's not spiritual. Don't tell me it's not supernatural. Don't tell me that it's right there sitting in front of you and you can't see it because, see, if you're a man with a wife and children, if you're a man with a wife and no children, you need to be leading your family in the Sabbath every Friday. It will, man. Change your life. Well, and you know what? If you're not, I can sit here and give you a little list of things that are going to happen. You don't want that list. You don't want to be that guy. You want to be the other guy. Besides, it's a commandment. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. You you forgot. The, after forty days of twenty four seven supernatural download. The last thing God tells Moses is, above all else, remember my Sabbaths, plural. It's that it's that important. And as evangelical Protestants, you have no idea what we're talking about because you're not doing it, and you're not doing it because you don't know. So we're telling you. And the I'm not trying to sell a book, but we we've broken we've broken it down in a way that makes sense with lots of scriptures to back it up and history, church history, and blah, 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 and apologetics on what it is that we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's no joke, you know? I mean, it isn't a joke. This is serious stuff. Jesus... It's important. It's so important. Everything was centered around his Sabbath. The whole Torah portions fit within the Sabbath. Yeah. And the Sabbaths were identifiably the things where we meet with him every time. And for those who can receive it, the weekly Sabbath, if you can receive it in the spirit, 
It's like you're entering into eternity. Why did he think you, you collected those things for two days? Because he says, I'm going to give you a visible promise that I'm going to provide for you for that day. And if you don't think that's spiritual, and I don't want to get it, it's more than just a warm or fuzzy. It puts you in a different realm. I'll get controversial, a different dimension. And uh, now they're going to start to say Lenny's going nuts. Um, but it puts you in a place spiritually, if it's honest and upright, in a communi communion, a communication with the Holy Spirit that allows us an access that is amazing. Again, I can't even find words to describe what it does. You know that when you're walking in the spirit and you're, you're truly having the life of living water just gush out of you through the power of the Holy spirit. And you're in the presence of Yehovah and Jesus. Uh, oh my gosh. How can we even describe that? We don't have words yet, but when you're there, we know it's life, peace, everything that Shalom is, or shall I say Shalem? Completeness, unbelievable. It's like tantalizing to the heart, to the soul. Being with him, remember what he said? He said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, literal water, nourishment. This is in my the chapter on Shabbat on the Sabbath in my book. It's keeping the Sabbath is a sign between God and us to know that He sanctifies us. That's Exodus thirty one. That's there's three things that keeping the Sabbath. You keep the Sabbath to remind you of three things. It says so in here, and, and not in my book, but in the Word. And I'm looking for that that exact. I was going to read it to you. But it says, we keep the Sabbath as uh, as as proof or as a, as a sign that that we agree that yes, He made creation in six days to remind us that He delivered us from Egypt, and uh, it's and, and and to and to be sanctified by Him. So we're sanctified by the keeping of of Shabbat. It says that, uh, like I said, I just read it, Exodus thirteen. But there's, it, I have it written. I have the actual verses where it says to do that. I just can't find it. I wasn't thinking we were gonna. It says here, Exodus thirty one. Um, it's a it's a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. Shabbat. This is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I. The Lord sanctify you. It's it's really that important. So, and if and if you're if you're not leading your family in Shabbat, um, and don't know what to do, it's man. We can help you with that. I've been uh, liking the physical act, like the, the physicalness of it. I mean, playing drums, 
when I play drums, there's, there's something, I don't know, we enact or we provoked or we reflect the prophetic through physical actions, you know? So for drum playing, you know, I'm moving my arms and Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's uh, meaningful to me, but in the same way where you, if you're, if you're worshiping, if you're singing and worshiping and the raising of the hands, the, Mm -hmm. the posture and what I've been into recently when taking communion is the actual holding the symbol of his blood and the physical posture of coming under it and pleading the blood over my territory, over my heart, over my mind, over my kids. And Mm -hmm. I've been appreciating the, 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 the physicalness of the act and connecting connecting your mind and heart to his path. There's um, page 65 of the feast book. I, I I actually addressed this to, (laughs) to, you know, Gentiles. I tell people all the time that if every American Christian family would be, would do Shabbat, I'm of the opinion that it would single-handedly change our country, but they won't do it. That's Jewish stuff, they say. Literally, I've been told that. Or, we're not under the law, they explain, without actually knowing what it is that they're talking about. For the record, the New Testament uh, defines sin as the breaking of the law. So then I tell them, get rid of the Jewish stuff then. Get rid of that Jewish stuff. That stuff that you're calling Jewish, get rid of it. Then I have bullet points here. Have dinner as a family around the table once a week, every week. Dad, bless the children. Dad and the children, bless mom from Proverbs 31. Dad, bless Israel, because you're told to do that, regardless if you're Jewish. And then dad, lead the family in communion. Can you do that, I ask? Is that acceptable to you? They always say yes. Upon following up, I almost always find out that they maybe did it once, but then they haven't done it again. These are the same people, mind you, that are usually complaining about how their lives never seem to be working out financially, relationally, scripturally, health-wise. You think? Take the Jewish stuff out. Have dinner with your family. Bless the kids. Bless the wife. Lead them in communion. Can you do that? That's all Christian, bro. Right? And I'm not talking to you. I've, I've had these conversations, like literally have had these conversations. Well, yeah, I can do that. Well, then why aren't you doing it? Nothing Jewish about the, Well, it's obviously it's all Hebraic. It's all Jewish. I said I, I did this. I, talk, I taught on this in uh, Rude Awakening. Yeah. So anyway, we encourage you men to be leading your family in communion. And if you do it on Friday evening, Friday night after sunset, it'll be another step towards aligning yourself in the Father's will for your life based on the unadulterated, non-denominational agenda scriptures. And that's always a good thing. One, one, one thing I like to say is RSVP to the invitation. Yeah. Like, I mean, like he, he invites you, he's, he invites you to the banquet. He invites oh. you to the wedding feast. Yeah. Like he's just like, come on, 
Yeah. You want to know me? You want to you want to be in my kingdom? Let's go. Let's go. And if 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 you if you were on earth and you got an invitation in the mail, it's politeness in our culture to even if you're not coming, they're like, hey, yeah, I can't make it, but don't yeah. say no to this. Don't say no to this invitation. Yeah. And he's and he's, he's saying, hey, there's gonna be a party. There's gonna be good wine. The, the, the band's gonna be amazing. You want to come? Be like, no. Nah, I don't. Well, that's that's the thing. All you have to do, if you if you if you have any clue about what the New Testament says, you have been invited. In your future, there is a Passover Seder. There's a Passover Shabbat. There's a first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, High Shabbat. In your future, Jesus said so. When did he say that, Alan? You're just making that up. Well, do you remember the Last Supper, which was not a Passover Seder? In the Last Supper, Jesus says, you know, I really wanted to spend Passover with you, but I can't. I'm going to be hanging on a cross for your asses, so I won't be able to join you for Passover. Did I just say that? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I really wanted to join you for Shabbat this year, but I won't be able to. In fact, I won't do Shabbat. I won't do Passover again until I do it with you in in heaven, in, in paradise, in the future. That says, that means... There's a you have a date in the future with Jesus. He's already told you where your face is going to be in the future, and that's at a Passover Sabbath with him. Or just a Passover with him. So it's your job to get your ass where your face is. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to equip you so that you can get your your hiney to where your face is in the future. And if you ever read the book of Revelation, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Guess what that is? Yeah. That's a high Sabbath, buddy. That's like a feast of ingathering, tabernacles, Sukkot, high Sabbath. So there's your clue and your hints that he didn't do away with Leviticus 23. And there, and your second, your other, your, I don't know, your 50th clue, or I don't know how many clues you've got, but another clue is the, the, the Hebrew word for these feasts is called Moedim, like Lenny mentioned earlier. And that's translated into holy rehearsals. What do you think you're rehearsing for? See, when you do Passover, Feast of, of, of uh, Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, when you count the Omer, when you do uh, Shavuot or in Pentecost, when you do Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Day of Atonement, and when you do Feast of Tabernacles, you are rehearsing for your tomorrow. Rehearsing also means that you better be practicing it so that when tomorrow comes, you'll have a clue. Because it also says in Isaiah that if you're not practicing and doing these things, you will not be allowed to go up to Mount Zion to worship him because there's no slackers allowed up there. Isaiah 66. And 65. No slackers are allowed up there when it comes to worshiping Messiah on Mount Zion. So if if you're not already doing this stuff, if you're not well-versed in this stuff, you won't be versed in it tomorrow, which means you won't be participating. That's, I didn't write that. I didn't make any of that up. It's not my interpretation. You can read it for yourself. 
Lead your, lead your family in, in, in Shabbat, okay? Do yourself a favor. And if you're a Muppet, don't say something like, but Jesus doesn't say anything about that in the, in the, in the New Testament and the Gospels. Okay. You know, bringing bring his people to become the bride is what you said. It's bringing the disobedient to what the wisdom of righteousness is. Having a right relationship. Yeah. It really is. It's important. It's important stuff. You don't have to believe me. My favorite part about this whole thing called Christianity is that you don't have to do it. Yes. You don't have to do it. And it's not legalistic. Loving Jesus isn't legalistic. It's not religious. Jesus himself said, if you loved him, you would keep his commandments. But, uh, that, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about love the Lord your God and uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And then what else did he say? That the entire Torah was suspended, hung, based on, predicated on those two. That doesn't eliminate any any of the of the law, any of the Torah. And it's there's six hundred and seven, six hundred. No, there's six hundred six laws. Everyone says six hundred thirteen because they add the seven rabbinical ones that aren't in, actually found in the Bible, in the scriptures. There's six hundred six. How am I supposed to keep six hundred six of them? You know, they've done studies, and there's actually more commandments in the New Testament than there are in the Old Testament. But I could actually tell you because you're the one that says I can do all things in Christ Jesus. Can you? <laughs> and and you can't even keep six hundred and six of them because two thirds of them don't even apply to you. You're not a Levitical priest. There's no temple. Uh, I can't keep the ones that are for women or farmers because I'm not a farmer and I'm not a woman. So those that I can keep, I do. And and it actually says in the Old Testament that it's not burdensome. It's not beyond my reach. I can do it. In fact, First John says that. His Torah isn't burdensome. See, that's not fair. You might serve a God that gives you stone when you ask for bread. My God doesn't. My God would never require me of anything I can't do. And if you think the law is beyond, but Jesus came to do away with the law. Jesus came to, to do the law and to eradicate it because God knew we couldn't do it. That's not my God. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The king of the universe would never instruct and command you to do something you couldn't do and then send his son to do it for you to eradicate it. You made that up. Your pastors made that up. Your denomination made that up. You cannot show me where it says that in the New Testament. I'll give you $1,000 if you can. Because it's not in there. You know, Brad Scott on, on his uh, website, and he's, he's with the Lord now, he has this five-part series called Under the Law, and it is spot on. If anybody wants to go on the Wild Branch website, it's an easy read. They're quick. They're not real long, but he just covers every aspect of it, Yeah, and it's really clear. Let me address this. Uh, Austin says, I truly believe that we're supposed to be following the book of Deuteronomy, which is the commandments, without the sacrificial system. Agreed. Why? One, you're not a Levite. So it's not for you to do sacrifices. Two, there's no temple. You got to have a temple to do the sacrifices. But four chapters of Ezekiel show us that when Messiah returns, 
There'll be a temple, and the Levitical system kicks back in. Here's where Christianity has their disconnect. But wait, Jesus is the, the last sacrifice. Wait, see, they've been taught that, the, that all the sacrifices are for sin atonement. That's not true. That's not true. That's why the Levitical priest will be doing sacrifices in the temple when Messiah is ruling from Jerusalem as the high priest. Because not all temple sacrifices are for the atoning of sin. That's why, if you read your New Testament, you would find in the book of Acts, Paul was in the temple sacrificing. Uh, Acts 22, 23, right? James, the leader of the church, his leader told him, you know what? There's a lot of rumors going around that, uh, that you're teaching people not to keep the law. I know that's not true. You know that's not true, Paul, because you do keep the law. And you do teach people to keep the law. Wait, wait a second, Alan. What are you talking about? That's not, that's right. Well, that's because you listen to your pastor and you don't actually read the Bible and understand it. James, the leader of the church of, in Jerusalem, the brother of Jesus, tells Paul, hey, you know what? There's a lot of rumors going around that you are not keeping Torah and that you're not teaching people to keep the Torah and they know you're in town. So I've got an idea. Let's kill two birds with one stone. I've got these four guys that are fi finalizing their, their Nazarite vow. Why don't you go with them to the temple and not only pay for their vow to be finished, because see, you had to, to, to terminate your Nazarite vow. What's a Nazarite vow? Read your Bible, please. The Nazarite vow, to terminate the Nazarite vow, you had to shave your beard, shave your head, go through ritual bathing, and then do like a week's worth of sacrifices. James is saying, hey, Paul, not only pay for them to do all that, but join them in completing and fulfilling their vow. Go and get your beard shaved uh, and your hair shaved and go through the ritual bathing and the cleansing and present yourself to the priest and then do the week-long sacrifices of, of doves and stuff like that in the temple. That way, if you do that, if you do what I say, not only pay for them to do that, but also go with them and do it yourself. Everyone will know that you live an orderly life and keep the Torah. So what does Paul do? Well, he's a good disciple. He's going to listen to his leadership and his authority. He goes to the temple with these four guys, pays for the ritual cleansing, and joins them. This is like the second or third time he's done that too, uh, and joins them in that ritual act. And then it says that he was in the temple sacrificing says that in Acts. But wait, didn't Jesus do away with? No, you're wrong. Paul, who would know, uh, is in the temple sacrificing when some guys saw the, saw him and said, and they said, wait, he was with the Gentiles earlier. So he's, he's, he, they're, they're, they're accusing him of bringing Gentiles into the inner court. So they dragged him out and beat him to death. When the Roman centurion showed up and grabbed him and stopped the beating, they were going to beat him to death, stopped the beating and, and said, and, and Paul asked this guy, is it lawful to, uh, to, to, to do this, to beat a Roman citizen? And the guy said, I've paid a lot of money to be a Roman citizen. And Paul said, I was born one, biatch. And the guy's like, yikes. Read it for yourself. It's in your Bible. Well, but what about the how many times did only Paul four requirements that he's telling the Gentiles to do? Yep. That means we don't have to do any of the others. Yeah, Acts 15. Four Torah observances in order for you to even be even to be pre-qualified for salvation. Boy, Christians don't like to hear that at all. Wait a minute. I have to be I have to be pre-qualified? Uh yeah, yeah. And there's and four you know, of them, and three of them are dietary. You know, it's interesting. All of them are centered around idolatry. Yep. Paganism. He says that's the biggest one first. 
no other gods. And he was talking to that just big time. And then they go into the thing, well, don't eat food sacrificed to idols. You know, when Paul had to deal with that, he was talking about idolatry, not doing away with the, um, the Torah. I wonder how many times when Paul was dragged out of a town and beaten to death, uh, beaten, did he die and come back to life? Like, Maybe he was dead for just like five minutes, and then all of a sudden, you know. I mean, the guy was beat so many times, man. Father, spare us from that. There's nothing romantic about martyrdom. Another reason to come under his blood. He loves the blood of his martyrs. He rejoices and delights in that. Yeah, that's insane. Wow, this guy loves me so much. He let them kill him for me. God's like, that's that's pretty cool. It's nine o'clock. It's intense. I've said this before, and I I've 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 made memes about this. Christianity. If you do this thing right, it'll get you killed. You're listening to Chameleon Church. Biblical antidotes for the modern man. With your host, Ellen Aguirre. The views and opinions expressed during our broadcasts are solely those of the broadcast producers, hosts, and or guests, etc., and are not necessarily the views or opinions of the Travelog Network, its sponsors, or affiliates.